Catching fish is fun, and catching fish every time you go is even more fun. But catching big fish, well, that seems to be what everybody's after. And we're going to talk about just that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Once again, I appreciate you joining in to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to you again this week by Sportsman's Warehouse, as it always is and has been. All things Fishful Thinker for uh, pretty much ever. Sportsman's Warehouse has been our title partner. Thanks to those guys. And real quick, if you're listening to this, I will be at a grand opening of a new Sportsman's Warehouse. If you're a Colorado-based guy, I'll be in southwest Colorado at Montrose. On the, what is it, 3rd and 4th of November, Friday and Saturday of November, uh, we'll be opening that store down there. So if you're a local guy, come see me there. If you're not a local guy, totally understand. Let's talk about catching big fish. Now, last week's podcast, we talked about being consistent. And being consistent involves a couple of key lures that you have confidence in, fishing lighter lines, fishing high percentage spots instead of areas, uh, you know, fishing for what's biting for a given condition, things like that. And those are all great. And being consistent is important. And like I said last week, being a TV show host and a longtime fishing guide, consistency pays the bills more than anything else for me. One big fish is great, but 10 average fish every time you go uh, is more akin to getting paid day in and day out. And I like what I do for a living, so I've really focused on being consistent all the time. Having said that, there's a definite step in angling where people want to catch big fish. There's some uh, stigma that goes with big fish or however you want to call it that people just want to catch a big fish and to the point where it becomes all-encompassing for a lot of people. And there are times when I even feel like it's kind of unhealthy where you go out and you have a great day, you catch tons of fish, particularly guys that are measuring everything and weighing everything. Oh, I didn't, I only caught 19 and three quarter. I didn't get that 20 inch mark. I didn't make it. So that to me is not a healthy mindset. Uh, you got to gauge each day how you gauge each day. But there are certain days when I want to go out and target a big fish or multiple big fish as the case might be. When I'm looking for the biggest fish in the system, those days are great ways to have a really high level of satisfaction. And they're also an excellent way to have a really high level of disappointment if you don't go into them with the right mindset. Because the first thing you have to keep in mind when you're fishing for big fish is you're fishing for a small part of the bell curve. In other words, only a fraction of fish will attain that quote-unquote big size for their species uh, only a small fraction will ever get that big uh, based on just not getting there longevity-wise, genetics-wise, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. You're fishing for a small percentage of the fish in the system. And that's for the first step. Second of all, you're also fishing for theoretically the most experienced fish in the system. In other words, fish that have been there, done that. They've seen lures. They've seen boats. They've dealt with trolling motors. They've heard footsteps on the bank and rolling rocks around. They know all of those things. They also are um, quick to transition. So if you're fishing behind whatever the transitions are, and what I mean by that is, let's say, at ice out, the first 
fish to move shallow are the biggest, most mature ones. Conversely, the first ones to move back out deep on the scenario are the biggest, most mature ones. The ones that are going to take advantage of the, the mud lines that form first thing in the morning on the bank are going to be the biggest, most mature ones. By the time that's been going on for an hour, all the average fish have figured it out, and the big ones have fed and gone home. And that's the scenario we run into a lot when you're dealing with big fish is they move quicker in terms of changing with whatever the scenario might be. <clears throat> and therefore, you as a pattern guy need to be farther ahead of, the, of what's going on. And, and, and a lot of guys, if you don't fish tournaments, you're not as tuned into pattern development. Bass and walleye tournament guys are really tuned into pattern development. And what's a pattern? Well, it's the most variables you can put together that will dictate your next fish. In other words, how deep am I fishing? Am I fishing horizontal or vertical? Do I have a specific lure, a specific cast angle, uh, a specific type of cover or structure that I'm fishing? Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of variables on any given day to any given fish catch, the more of those you can recognize and duplicate, the better your pattern will be. But patterns tend to be emerging patterns or dying patterns. In other words, more and more fish are coming into this pattern or more and more fish are, are going away from that pattern. The biggest ones are the first ones to make those transitions. So you need to be the farthest ahead or behind that pattern, as the case might be, uh, to stay up with the biggest fish in the system or you'll be consistent. Now, let's talk about some specific things about, about big fish angling that I think are really important. Uh, and it goes back to, again, that you're fishing for a small number of fish or, conversely, a small number of bites because you're not going to have a lot of bites, typically, on days that you're fishing for really big fish. You need to capitalize on all of them. So, some of the first details I look at if I'm fishing for big fish, the biggest one is my timing. Uh, I'm not going to go looking for the biggest brown trout in a lake in July in the middle of the daytime. Uh, you're just asking for a skunk doing that. If you want to fish for a big brown trout, let's say, and I'm just picking a random fish out of the air because it's fall and I have brown trout on the brain, if you want to fish for a big brown trout, fish for them in the fall, sometime in their pre-spawn as they're heading into spawn or right after their spawn when they're headed into ice to ice. That's a great time to catch a big brown. Even better, maybe do that during the low light periods or the middle of the night. Even better chance to catch a really big brown. Um, you know, so by your timing wise can be a big difference. It, if you're a fan of bass fishing, and you watch the, the parent organization, BASS, or Major League Fishing for that matter, both of them put their whole tournament schedule based around when they think their guys can have access to big fish. So it's rare that they visit big fish fisheries at a time of year that is not good for big fish. Now, if you're fishing closer to home and you're a local guy, not only can you fish the time of year, but you can fish the actual conditions that suit those big fish. So for instance, in the spring, where since we're talking bass here, let's say we're talking spring. Well, that full moon coming around, that full moon around the spawn in spring when water temperatures are hitting their, their 60 range, 60 and change, the full moon's coming in at the same time. You got a warm front coming in. The moon and stars are lining up for you to go catch a giant. That's an excellent time to do it. 
it's a lot harder to go catch a giant when they're out suspended in open water because it's summertime and they're out following, you know, threadfin shad in wide open water all the time. A little tougher to target them in that scenario. Again, timing of when you're going to go catch big ones can be important. And that totally depends on the species. So it may depend on your ability to to fish in terms of your equipment as well. So for instance, one that comes to mind for me is lake trout. If you want to catch a big lake trout and you're good with sonar and, and all that and you have a boat, well, then fantastic. You, you can do that over the course of the year. You can go find one on a graph or whatever and try to catch them. But if you don't have either a big boat, maybe you're only in a kayak, maybe you don't have uh, big electronics, maybe maybe you're on the bank even, um, then you need to time when those fish are going to be up and shallow. So one of those will be ice out right when the lake ice is out and their big lakers are up chasing rainbows that they're going to eat, or maybe it's just before ice in when they're up shallow for their own spawn. Again, it gives you the ability to reach them and get a bait in front of them that you might not be able to do the rest of the year when they're out in 100 feet of water. So timing can be really important. And catching average lake trout, you can catch year-round from the bank in a lot of places, but catching big ones is a whole another story and it requires specialized time. Same thing with walleyes, guys. If you want to fish walleyes, catch them on the pre-spawn in the dark, you know, maybe late March in here in Colorado in the dark. Well, now you're going to have a lot of big females that are coming up starting to think about spawning and they're going to be within range of the bank and they're going to be more willing to feed in the dark. So again, it's a timing thing that can be really, really important depending on the species of fish you want. So I always will look at that first. So at first, I'm going to look at the seasonal timing. Then I'm going to look at the timing throughout the course of any given day. In other words, is this a low light feeder, a bright light feeder? Uh, what conditions over the course of a day, time-wise, uh, light-wise, are going to give me the best chances to angler? And then from there, I'm going to look at the prevailing weather patterns as well. So spring warming trends can be a great way to catch big fish of a variety of different species. Conversely, uh, fall warming trends can shut them down, whereas fall cooling trends can make them bite. So it just depends, again, on the, on the time of year uh, in conjunction with the species and the weather pattern. So I'll look at all of those. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Still fighting my voice. If you're a fan of this, you know I've been fighting my voice for, oh, five or six weeks now on my podcast. It's kind of a long story, but I got mono and my voice is having a long time to recover here. So I apologize for that. Uh Let's talk about some lures for big fish. Everyone's like, oh, big fish lures, big fish, big baits for big bites. I get that 100%. And there's no argument that sometimes a great big bait is a perfect way to catch a great big fish. But I also want to point out that big baits can be excellent ways to get yourself skunked because the fish get an excellent look at them. The bigger the bait is, the heavier the line you got to put it on. Um the more obvious it is as far as the fish to, to notice that lure out in the water far enough away from the fish as opposed to sneaking up on them. So that can be really important as well. Having said that, you're giving them something what they're most likely eating in the first place. And therefore, you have a good chance of getting them to move to actually eat it. So for instance, uh, I sampled the Colorado River with the biologist that manages the Colorado River here in Colorado, one section of it. And we sampled the river with electrofishing. He told me that 
during their all of their studies, which they have a lot of studies on, that the the trout and the 18 to 20 inch range make a hard transition in the river away from eating bugs to eating only sculpin and whitefish and other trout. And they're not eating the bugs anymore. So it stands to reason that if I want to catch a two-footer in the river, I can drift little bugs till I'm blue in the face and catch numbers of fish, but I'm not likely to get that 24-inch brown or 24-inch rainbow to move over and come up and eat my little bug or my little little tiny lures, the case might be. Better bet is to have a bigger lure. Understanding that it's harder to trick fish with a bigger lure, at least you're feeding them something that there is that's in a side range that they might eat in the first place. So a big lure can do that, um, but in no case am I going to exceed the size of the lure of something they're likely to eat. So if I know that the sculpin in the river top out at about five inches and the whitefish that they eat top out at about six inches, I'm not going to throw a 10-inch swim bait in the river. I'm going to try to stay at the small end of the big forage that they're going to eat, if that makes any sense. So if I know they eat four-inch sculpin, well, I'm going to throw a three-inch sculpin-style bait a lot. If I know they're eating, you know, six-inch uh, gizzard chat, as the case might be, if walleyes in one of the lakes around here, we've got a lake that, that the giant walleyes, whenever they've sampled the giants, and I'm talking about the 11 to 15-pounders, they're eating six to seven inch gizzard shad. So your little crankbait that's you know three and a half inches long, your little flicker shad or whatever, uh, is not even in the ballpark of the size and the profile of what they're eating. So giving them something a little bigger, a little beefier, uh, will at least be a little bit closer to the size they normally eat. And then it's up to you to present it well, such that you can still trick them into biting it. But fishing a much bigger than average bait can, can do it for getting big ones as long as you understand that you need to present it well. And that means really paying attention to casting angles, really paying attention to your line choices, really paying attention to how you work the bait as well. Um, you know, those things will matter a lot if you're working a really big bait, not so much if you're working a smaller bait, although obviously they affect any bait. The bigger the bait is, the more pronounced it is in the water column, the more all of those things are going to affect it as it goes. Incidentally, if I'm throwing big baits, you know, a, a truly large bait, I tend to throw only silent baits because what I've found is if that bait also incorporates rattles, it's too much noise for fish. So that's a key thing. Uh, other things that will help you catch larger than average fish is fishing away from the herd, if that makes sense. And when I don't, I don't mean the herd of anglers, I mean the herd of other fish. They will isolate in a lot of the cases, or they'll group up with just with a couple of their own, and they being whatever species it might be. So it doesn't matter if I'm looking at giant trout in a river that has taken up one residence in a hole and will defend it against everybody else or uh, a big largemouth that says, hey, this is my stump and I live here, period, and I'm going to have this isolated stump and stay away from all the rest of my buddies or whatever the case might be. Fishing isolated cover can be really good for catching larger than average fish. So for instance, I have one lake here that I fish a fair bit. It's got a single old stump on an otherwise wide open flat. If I make the trip across that flat in the boat to that stump, I can almost guarantee you there's one big fish sitting on that stump every time. 
it's never consistent in terms of going to catch a bunch of fish. You're going to go there and you're going to get one bite. And if you do get a bite and you execute, you're going to catch that, that one big one. And it works out pretty good. It's a very much isolated spot. And incidentally, on that spot, I have caught several different species of fish off that same stump. So yeah, I can't even tell you who's going to be there, just that whoever is there, it's going to be a good size one if there's anybody there at all. So that can be important. Uh, big fish tend to stay away from smaller than average fish. So if you're catching tons and tons and tons of smaller fish, you probably need a wholesale change to catch bigger ones. Maybe you need to fish deeper or shallower uh, or whatever the case might be. I also find that the biggest fish in the system are willing to get shallow, very shallow, uh, for feeding opportunities. For instance, uh, getting up in a dirt shallow mud line in the middle of the day. And I don't know if it's because, or sitting under the shallow end of a dock, like in no water at all, right up in the shallow end of the dock where there's a bunch of one to three pound bass out on the deep end of the dock and there's one five pounder 20 yards away up on the shallow end of the dock. So, you know, it just depends a little bit on this different fish species you're dealing with, but one big one tends to do different stuff than does groups of fish. So that can be really important as well as you've got to think that, okay, I'm going to fish small spots. They're not at any predictability that I think is black and white going to be deeper or shallower. It's possible they're going to be very shallow. It's possible they're going to be deeper. I can tell you that in my home lake, the deeper I fish, the smaller on average my walleyes get. And I feel like the deeper they go, the less variety of food that's available. There's more food available to any given fish in the riparian zones, uh, or excuse me, the littoral zones of the lake right up shallow. That's where you're going to have the most crayfish and bait fish of all kinds, not to mention frogs and blah, blah, blah. You have sunlight penetration and all of those things. Uh, the ver most variety fish, or, or most variety of food, I should say, for any given fish is up shallower in the water column. And also the most risk for any fish is up shallow in the water column because of birds and anglers and, and uh, obviously the, the big fish themselves being risky to each other. So when you're fishing very shallow uh, for big fish, you need to stay back away from them, uh, make longer throws. There's lots of nuances to fishing very shallow and doing it effectively. But at the end of the day, understand that your biggest ones might be just the opposite of what a lot of people think, and that is they are right on the bank. My biggest walleye ever was caught in less than three feet of water at 1040 in the morning uh, on a high bright Sunday on just a little bit of a mud line on the edge of a bank. And uh, it was a scenario where you would not say you were looking. I wasn't trying to catch walleyes for the record. I was trying to catch smallmouth, but I caught a great big walleye. And yes, it was an accidental catch. No, it doesn't count. But at the end of the day, it, it, it does d illustrate that, hey, big giant walleye will get really shallow and looking for feeding opportunities no different than a smallmouth will. And it, in fact, it probably bodes to why we don't catch a lot of average fish fishing that shallow because a lot of those fish are staying away from the big fish that are up real shallow in the first place. So Fishing for, for really big ones might mean you need to stay really shallow. It might mean you need to fish in the dark, if at all possible. Um, all big fish, in my experience, are more comfortable in the dark. Maybe it has to do with the fact that there's less angling pressure. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's less 
there's no birds feeding in the dark because they don't see it well in the dark. So the fish can get up shallow and do their thing in the dark, which means for the highest percentage of anglers, they are more available or more accessible. Uh, you can catch them from the bank. You can catch them from the boat. Um, you know, just depending on your scenario, but in the dark, they're just more comfortable all the way around. And fishing in the dark is requires a whole nother skill set. Uh, there's a lot of nuances to fishing in the dark, but at the end of the day, if I'm targeting a really big fish, just one really big one, I'm going to go in the dark. Classic example of this was when I was a little bit younger, I used to go pond hopping and I would wait till after dinner to go. Um, and then I would go run around a half dozen different ponds in town and I would literally cast to two or three spots on each pond. And that was it because I was looking for one big bass to bite. And some of those were little culverts sticking out into the pond. Some of them just a hard transition area in the pond. Some of them just a, you know, a high spot or a low spot in the weeds, whatever the scenario is. I learned all of those in the daylight. And then I would make a milk run in the dark because in the daylight you wouldn't catch anything fishing a lot of them, or you might catch average fish. But in the dark, the big females that spend all day sulking come up on the bank and do whatever it is that they want to do, uh, which is basically eat. And so I could catch them in the dark when I couldn't catch them in the daylight. And so I would go out after dinner, I would go fish, and I would go back home, be done quick business, and get my fish caught that way. So the timing of it, of how you go about it, is really important. Another thing, a couple of details that I want to touch on quick, that a little bit less obvious um, your equipment needs to be able to deal with them in the event that you're going to get them to bite. And so I don't, uh, I advocate that lighter line catches you more fish. It also catches you more big fish in terms of getting bites. And you got to, you got to hook them before you can break them off. But at the end of the day, fishing for big fish means you're not going to get a lot of bites, which means you better capitalize on your bites, which means your knots better be really good. It means that your hook setting better be good, your focus better be good, because you might fish for three hours and not get any bites, and then when you finally get that bite, you need to make sure that you recognize what's going on and you're still focused enough to get that fish caught. So whereas if you're focused on consistency, you're getting bites all day, it's easy to stay focused on on hook setting and your mechanics and all that. So it can be really important. Other thing for big fish, focusing on casting angles can be hugely important. Multiple presentations to a spot or crowding of fish can be really important. In other words, I, I might be a big walleye or a big bass sitting on this stump, and I don't want to eat at all. But by the fourth or fifth time that crayfish comes in here uh, pestering me, I'm going to bite that jig, you know, kind of thing. So you can be making multiple presentations to a spot if you're pretty comfortable. Big fish spot, a classic example of one being a beaver dam. Got access to deep water got lots of cover, uh, it's got decaying cover, so typically bugs and this, that, and the other. I've seen a lot of scenarios where you gotta make a ton of pitches to a beaver dam before you finally get that one big bass that lives there to bite. Of course, I've seen other scenarios where you pull up on a beaver dam and and you know five out of eight pitches get bit. In that scenario, it's almost always average fish. So, But if I pull up on a beaver dam and I make a few pitches and nothing gets bit, I might stay there for a while if I have any vibe that there might be a decent fish there. If there's average ones there, they'll bite right away. Big ones, maybe will, maybe won't. You might need to visit that same beaver dam or stump or isolated cover of whatever it is a bunch of times over the course of a given night or day to get one of them to bite. But at the end of the day, you're fishing for a small number of very mature fish. They're set in their ways. 
and it's up to you to appease them, not the other way around. So I'm going to call that one short, guys. My voice is giving me a hard time, and uh, and I appreciate you sticking it out. I know it's maybe not always super pleasant to listen to. So last week we talked about being consistent. This week we talked about big fish. They are not mutually exclusive, but they definitely require different mindsets. Um, and I think that it's important that you have to decide what you're doing on any given day because if you chase many rabbits, you catch none, and therefore you don't want to... You know, to, to, to fish like you're fishing for consistency, and but yet you're targeting big ones or the other way around. If you're going to target big ones, get that mindset in your, in your brain and go accordingly, and it will make a difference for you. Last thing I'll throw out there, <clears throat> and I don't ever get preachy, but selective harvest. If you do catch a great big fish, understand that that's probably not the right one to harvest. You can get a replica made. If you, if you blow your mind with the one you caught, get a replica made can be really good and also be careful about getting them released big fish are older heavier which means handling them by their jaws or their gills or whatever the case might be is harder on them as well so be easy on those big ones and uh and they'll make your whole day get some pictures get them turned back and call it a day so guys if you want to join the conversation on social media that's at uh, Fistful Thinker on Facebook or Instagram, especially on our YouTube channel. We put a lot of effort into that. We'd appreciate you subscribing while you're there. And of course, we'll continue to bring the content to you guys. So we appreciate you tuning in. This has been Fistful Thinker, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>